And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Today in our show, we're going to talk truth about Memphis. Brutal, yes. Horrific. Racist, no. Pfizer unmasked pilots and an Ivy professor. CDC and the Congress and Dr. Naomi's Wolf, Dr. Naomi Wolf's ebook. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk, and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie George Addis. I do this show from home sometimes, as you can see, it's our home studio, and um, it is a very, very cold day here in Texas. In fact, we're having a bit of a nice storm, um, but it's cozy here at home, and I'm so glad every single chance I get to talk with you about America. I'm so grateful to, for the opportunity to do this show and talk about many of the pressing issues facing America. I do know many people talk in, in pretty dark terms these days about what's happening to our country and, and you know, the fear for uh, our future of our country. And I will tell you that I understand that. And I do try to focus on issues that are of serious nature uh, facing the country, but I never, I never will give up on the idea of America or give up on the idea that the resourcefulness and the strength and the courage of the American people will bring adjustment, healing, we will fix what needs to be fixed. Um, and, uh, and you know, th- certainly and most certainly through prayer and, um, and just diligent uh, determination to save this country. But I want to acknowledge because sometimes I get emails or comments from people that sound like maybe they think I don't quite understand how serious things are in this country, but I do, I, I do understand. Um, and all I can say is, uh, you know, you, you just, you got to stand up for the country um, in every way you know how. So uh, the first five today, uh, I'm going to talk about what happened in Memphis. And I'm going to guess that everyone who listens to this show already realizes that there was a horrific event involving five police officers in Memphis who literally beat to death a citizen who... I guess initially survived the the beating, went to the hospital, was in critical condition, passed away three days later. The video is out there. Uh, It has gone viral all over the country. People are watching this video of these Memphis police officers. Everything about the video causes you to conclude, you know, you can watch there that this was just a completely unjustified, out of control brutal action on the part of these officers. The officers, uh, so to be really clear about all this, there were five officers originally charged and they were charged with, um, they lost their jobs almost immediately and uh, were charged with, I think it's second degree murder. There are a series of five criminal charges brought against these officers. So they were they were very quickly, um, um, you know, arrested and serious charges lodged against them. All of the officers involved were black, are black. The um, victim of this horrific incident, um, whose first name is T-Y-R-E, which I believe is pronounced Tyre, last name Nichols, but Mr. Nichols was the young man uh, who was the victim of this horrifically, unbelievably um, out of control um, action of police brutality. 
um, and their part. So right away, of course, even before the protest started, uh, the authorities had moved in, in Memphis to uh, terminate these officers, to file criminal charges against them. I read today there's another person they're considering charging. And I will tell you, I didn't watch the video, at least the one compilation I um, I began to look at. It is brutal, and I'm not sure there's a reason to share that with you on the show, to play, to play that, but it looks like as far as you can tell from what you see in the video, a completely unjustified ang officers got angry because this young man who was pulled over for reckless driving, um, that was what they said. The reason was he was pulled over. And as they are first questioning him, they were pretty rough. And when he had a chance, this young man just jumped off and ran, ran away. And so you know, he's run away from the police. And so they're running around uh, chasing him, trying to find him. Uh, and indeed, they did finally uh, find him. And uh, that, after that, there just ensued a, a massively brutal beating, which led to his death. So first, I wanted to say, uh, I commend that the uh, Memphis authorities got right on top of the situation and charged these officers. There wasn't an attempt to defend them or explain. Uh, now, they get their day in court and they are entitled to the presumption of innocence, but you know the officials who could take a look at what occurred could see what happened. Uh, in fact, I want to quick show you, this is clip one. So I want to show you a picture of these officers. Uh, this is all five of them who were charged. Um, and as I say, they're all charged with second degree murder and uh, kidnapping, coercion, um, a series of charges that, I mean, the second degree murder charge alone, I think will probably, uh, if they're convicted, lead them to them a very, very long time, if not permanently um, in uh, prison. Um, so this is, this is what occurred in Memphis. I also want to commend Mr. Nichols' mother, the mother of this uh, victim of police brutality has given several press conferences. I just want to commend two things that she did. Uh, one is uh, just this very emotional statement she made, which of course is you know, irrefutable. She just said, no one should ever have to go through what I'm going through. No mother should have to. And she's exactly right. No one should have your child, son or daughter, die in uh, as a result of police brutality. And in this case, as I say, utterly unjustified. She also urged people in the... Um, you know, who are responding. And because right away, of course, the um, numerous organizations, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, um, the usual, um, I think of them as race baiter crowds, you know, CNN sends Don Lemon down there to stir things up. Um, they tried to make it into a racial incident. So the last other point that Mrs. Nichols said was, you know, if you're, there were any protests and she's in favor of being protests, please be peaceful. She's urging the protesters to be peaceful. And so you really just have to commend her uh, all around. You know, she's, um, you know, she's devastated as any mother would be, and she's urging that the protest be peaceful. But I want to make a big distinction here in this first five, and as we talk about this case moving forward, as we watch what occurs in the courts and in the, the uh, in protests. There were protests around the country. Uh, they got a little bit violent, a little bit rough. Uh, Los Angeles, Seattle, Portland, New York City, of course, Memphis. And um, right away, there were statements made by leaders of uh, Antifa and leaders of Black Lives Matter, uh, both of which were, you know, one of the, I think it was the Antifa, and we're going to burn this place down, uh, and Black Lives Matter uh, had similar kind of, um, you know, uh, calls for violence. And so I want to make this really big distinction between everybody in America needs to be on the side of supporting our police and at the same time demanding that when situations happen like this, we 
give the full, the, the, the justice system gives full attention, rapid attention, and, and a trial for these officers who, unless there's some fact we all don't know, uh, committed a horrific murder. That second degree murder is the charge. We need to distinguish between that and how we respond to officers who were, uh, for whatever reason, engaged in grotesque brutality. And that's one set of issues to uh, talk about. And entirely separate from that is what the motive and mission is of Black Lives Matter and Antifa. I want to remind you because, because we talked about this in 2020 and doing all those riots were going on. There is a mission in this country a mission of the far left to destroy America as founded. It is not anything less than that. It is a mission of socialists, communists, to destroy America as founded. Black Lives Matter is just one example. Black Lives Matter, there may be many innocent volunteers or people who say they support Black Lives Matter. And what they mean by that is they want to stand up for uh, Black Americans who have suffered some sort of injustice. Very innocent supporters of Black Lives Matter. But the leadership and the idea behind, and most important for today's discussion, the funding behind Black Lives Matter is communist, is Chinese Communist Party, CCP, Communist Party funding. It's important to understand that. This was, there was a great uh, pieces put out during the 2020 rise by Trevor Loudon, uh, who's a just a, a wonderful researcher and thinker. Uh, one article I pulled up today, and you can read this article on our website at americacanwetalk.org. Understand that the mission at the top of Black Lives Matter and the mission of Antifa is not, it is not to restore racial peace. It is not to encourage and help to engage in racial understanding. It is not to bring about justice. There's nothing noble about the motives of Antifa or Black Lives Matter at the leadership level. Their motive is to take down America. It truly is to destroy America as founded. And they mean it with every breath they take. And I'll just tell you one example. On our website, you can read one article I linked today. This is actually an article that a Heritage Foundation put out in 2020, calling attention to the funding of Black Lives Matter and the ideology behind Black Lives Matter. So you likely recall Alicia Garza, one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter, uh, at their website, Black Lives Matter, um, there's a, a Black Futures Lab that you can click on and donate. And when you go to do that, what comes up is Black Futures Lab is a fiscally sponsored project of the Chinese Progressive Association. She, Alicia Garza, is among those who are the leadership of Black Lives Matter who stridently believe in, I believe she's the one who said, I'm a trained Marxist. If it wasn't she, it was another one of the founders of Black Lives Matter. I'm a trained Marxist. These people are engaging in violence as a response to or after the fact of this horrible incident in Memphis involving Mr. Nichols, and they are using it to further an agenda they already have, which is to bring chaos to America's cities, to cause violence, destruction, to cause the breakdown of America. And so when you see riots around the country, uh, whether they are the cities I mentioned or other places, understand there is a very sinister, anti-American, evil motive behind those riots and behind the funding of those riots. And that is the Chinese Communist Party, very, very, very active in America in many, many ways, trying to make a, 
America, to destabilize America, to encourage the American people to hate their country, to hate their government, to hate the police. The CCP works. The Chinese Communist Party and communists in this country who embrace communism as an ideology, they live to destabilize America. They use incidents like the incident of Mr. Nichols in Memphis to cause chaos in cities, to cause destruction and breakdown of the country. So do not for one moment buy into the idea that all of the riots that may happen or even that are happening right now are the organic reaction to the outrage about what happened to Mr. Nichols because you are being led into, you, you're being fooled, you're being duped, you're being, you're, you're being manipulated by these people who always and forever have had the mission of taking down America. And so again, separate the brutality of the Memphis police, which is being dealt with in our system, and there may be movements that say, we need some police reforms. Now, the people who say defund the police, they are the communist movement, who really, no matter what other words they use, this is the movement and the ideology of communism that says, we don't need police. What they really mean is, we like utter chaos in the cities, chaos in the streets, chaos in the country, bringing down the destruction of America. We cannot defund the police. We have to defend the police at the same time, prosecute those who engage in the kind of conduct that is uh, reprehensible by anyone's measure. Last quick point. Many, many of the endless race baiters on the American left, Don Lemon of CNN, I mentioned him, others are gathering in Memphis and they are, you know, they're just working as hard as they can to make this into a racial incident, which it was not. It doesn't matter if they keep telling you, oh, but it really is racial. This is five back black police officers who killed a, a what apparently a completely innocent um, black young man. And the reason they bring race into it is not because they really think it's racial. It's because it keeps the agitation going. It keeps the anger going, keeps the division going. Don't buy into what they are saying. Last point on this first five. So there's a writer, an ESPN writer, a very prominent Jason Whitlock, and he has an article up, and I put it on our website also. Again, our website, americacanwetalk.org. On the homepage, under shows, drop down list of links. I link to this one, and his, his article is called Attitude Explains Tyre Nichols Tragedy, Not Racism. Jason Whitlock is a black conservative. I happen to be a sports pod, sports uh, announcer, and he's broadened into uh, political commentary. I think he was sports, but in any case, he's a black conservative who writes commentary. And he's basically saying in the article, in his article, that he uh, lost his own cousin. Um, a cousin of his was um, killed in an incident with the police um, because um, the cousin ran away when the police told him to stop and he kept running away and the police were shooting uh, taser guns at him. And I, I didn't, I didn't realize tasers could kill someone, but that's apparently what happened to his cousin. So his cousin is killed by tasers. And so he's saying, but yeah, he's he's killed because he ran away. And the police, you know, if you run away, they're, they're going to uh, engage in more violence against you. And all he's really saying this article is, number one, he's just completely debunking the CNN. And by the way, the CNN, the naturally, the anti-American leftist news outlet, which has basically no audience, um, is out there agitating for trying to call this a racist incident. And Van Jones, one of their, who is, who is by the way, a communist, which is okay, you're allowed to be communist, it's, it's a free country, but he's a CNN guy, he's a communist, he's the one saying, among others, that this is a racist incident. But back to Jason Whitlock, what he's really saying is, you know, um, 
There's nothing about the facts as we know them that should cause anyone to say this is racist. You know, there are he's he clearly the police were out of line. They were they used excessive force. They were brutal. They should be prosecuted. You know, he's not giving the police a break, but he's saying that it, the instant. Uh, um, you know, accelerated uh, as it did in large part because this young man chose to try to run away um, as opposed to let the officers arrest him for whatever it was uh, driving uh, recklessly. I don't, I don't know any of the parties involved in this, but I do know that all you will hear out of left-wing media in this country is a perpetual argument that racism is just sizzling everywhere, it's under the surface everywhere, and it is used by leftists because they use it as a means of dividing America and they do not mean in any degree to try to heal race relations, to uplift racial relations, to build racial understanding. They do not intend that. They intend to create the division that they are creating, and it benefits them in a whole variety of ways, including the most leftists among them. It benefits their agenda to actually bring down America, which is what you are seeing in the actions of Antifa and Black Lives Matter. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. Okay, so it was a big weekend for videos. So this, you know, video of the Memphis police officers came out, which has been replayed and replayed and replayed and replayed and replayed. Um, and it is intended, again, the media in this country, I mean, at the very best, you can attribute their motive to, well, they just are, you know, they're looking for headlines or looking to get clicks online. So if something is really trending, they're going to do that. They're going to keep on, you know, um, playing the same video over and over and over. Um, and that, I guess, is tr uh, true to a certain degree. Um, but it's also, they, the most of media is very left-wing, and they like depicting America as this as deeply troubled country. In any case, but the other big video came out over the weekend, I want to spend most of the show talking about today, uh, was an undercover video that was recorded by someone who works for Project Veritas. And very quickly, Project Veritas uh, is an organization that basically their MO, their modus operandi is, they send, they train reporters or investigators, whatever you call them, to uh, go undercover and pose as being some, some, you know, some kind of person uh, to get someone to talk and tell the truth about something that they otherwise always lie about. And so Project Veritas, Veritas is Latin, it means truth, you know, Project Truth, they end up getting people to say things who are being secretly, secretly recorded. I mean, the, the Project Veritas investigators, they're running, they're, they're recording everything, and the person who's being recorded doesn't know it. And so that's what Project Veritas does. They brought lots of other um, things we've talked about in the show many times. But Project Veritas um, ended up getting an investigator to uh, have a, sit and have a conversation uh, with a guy um, who is a, was at this time, a very, very high level official within uh, Pfizer. Pfizer, the massive bio pharmaceutical behemoth organization. This guy is Dr. Jordan Walker. He is, was the Pfizer Director of Research and Development, Strategic Operations, MRNA Scientific Planner. That's his job. So he's an MRNA guru, a very high level um, within Pfizer. He's a doctor. He's a Yale doctor. And so, but he's, so he's on a date with a guy who's, it's their second date, it um, appears. And at this date, the uh, guy who's the, really the posing as the undercover, who is the undercover guy um, for Project Veritas, records statements that this guy made, this doctor, um, Jordan Walker, makes um, about what Pfizer really does concerning the, um, what, and what they're up to concerning the uh, development of 
COVID and uh, the mutation. We'll talk about, you'll, I'll let you hear what he had to say and then explain a little more after we play the clip in just a second here. But um, he's talking about there about uh, what they in, internally at Pfizer, and it's important to understand how high level his job. This was not the janitor. This is a very high level uh, doctor employed at Pfizer. Um, what he says about what Pfizer's trying to do with the COVID, um, the COVID um, virus, not the vaccine, what they're trying to do with the virus. So let's pl uh, play that clip, if we would please, Emilio, and then we'll talk about it. Is thinking about Pfizer ultimately is thinking about mutating COVID. Well, that is not what we say to the public. No, don't tell anyone. Yeah, probably don't tell anyone. Yeah, probably don't tell anyone. We're storing like no. You know how the virus keeps mutating? Yeah. Well, one of the things we're storing is like, why don't we just mutate it ourselves so we can develop new vaccines, right? So we have to do that. If we're going to do that, though, there's a risk of like, as you could imagine, no one wants to be having a pharma company mutating fucking viruses. Be like very controlled to make sure that this virus that you mutate doesn't create something like you know goes everywhere. Something crazy. Is the way that the virus started in Wuhan. To be honest, like it's, it makes no sense that this virus just popped out of nowhere. Like, yeah, I know. Meet Jordan Tristan Walker, a director of research and development strategic operations and mRNA scientific planning at Pfizer. It sounds like gain of function to me. I don't know. It's a little bit different. I think it's different. It's like there's. It's definitely not gain of function. It sounds like it is. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. So direct and evolution is very different. Yeah. Well, you're not supposed to do gain function research of the viruses, but yeah, they're exactly not. But you do like these like selected directional mutations to try to see if you make more potent. Yeah. So there, there is research I'm learning about that. I don't know how there not be any more outbreaks to take Jesus Christ. The gentleman seems to have absolutely no moral compass at all. For all government officials, it's pretty good for the industry, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad for everyone else in America. Why is it bad for everybody else? Because just the regulators who have to approve our drugs know that once they shop could have played decide not to grab it for you but so that guy uh the gentleman who's speaking the whole time uh is now a former employee of pfizer very interestingly he's a former employee of, of pfizer and the only way that project veritas or others could ever have found him was because his name was all over the website and the jobs he had he has been so thoroughly removed from existence he's been um in the um there's a term for it that was uh, George Orwell had in 1984. He's been disappeared. I mean, it's like he's gone from the from the Pfizer website to the point that there were some people who were trying to say, well, maybe this really wasn't. He was just posing. He really wasn't that at all. You know, he was. And there are also pictures there uh, that some people were able to capture. But this guy in the video was so angry when he later learned that he was being recorded and everything he said uh, is now out to the world that um, he actually physically attacked uh, the founder of Project Veritas who showed up to meet him, had the video on, a, on an iPad and he got physically uh, violent. But anyway, he's gone. But the reason I wanna talk about this today in this video, I almost called this uh, segment you know, sit rep, you know, that military expression situation uh, report, sit rep on COVID. Because I want, I want to plant the seed and running through a series of stories where we really are in COVID, what we know about COVID, what we know about the harms flowing from the vaccines, and then ask ourselves, what is it we American people can do? 
Back to my first story today, if you want to protest police in this country, you know what to do. You, whether you're in Memphis or any other city, you organize a rally outside the police department, or maybe it's outside of city hall, maybe it's outside of the state government because you want the state government to take action, but you have a target, you know, go and say, okay, we, we demand, and, and whatever they are, you know, um, uh, sensitivity training, we demand better background checks for hiring police officers, we demand whatever, you can make a series of demands related to your, your concern and you have a place to target those demands. This is the problem the American public and frankly the, the world, uh, citizenry of the world faces with respect to this COVID ongoing effort to paint a picture of COVID's deadly and the vaccines are safe which is what they keep trying to push out there. And so I want to run through a bunch of um, talking points, or just not talking points, run through some data points with you to think of, so what do we do now? What do we do once we know these things? So to start with, what this guy is now admitting, um, and, Pfizer, and, and Pfizer and the CDC have admitted, that these vaccines are pushing. They don't prevent pe people from getting COVID. They don't prevent the spread of COVID. They don't prevent you dying from COVID. So all those were lies, but what really has become so uh, problematic was Pfizer, when it had you know all of this data that you are required before you can just unleash a vaccine on the American public, you have to do testing. Is the vaccine safe? Is it effective? Effective enough? What percentage of people are made better? How does it compare to a placebo? I mean, you do this all this research, and this was the big topic when uh, after people became very concerned about the content of the vaccines, saying to Pfizer, hey, you know what? We want to see your uh, records, you, all of the research that you did. We want to see your safety research. And, and Pfizer, if you recall, initially said to the court, they wanted to be able to hold back from the American public, from the world, for not kidding, 75 years before they'd ever have to release any information about what they learned during their trials with their with uh, Pfizer's COVID vaccines. I'm gonna come back to this point a little bit later as we're, we're gonna talk about that because uh, this is what the big effort has been uh, by Dr. Naomi Wolf. When Pfizer was finally forced to release all of the massive data regarding their COVID vaccine and the testing of the vaccine. It was massive data. So Dr. Naomi Wolf hired something in the range of 3,000 medical researchers, like most of them are doctors or people really knowledgeable, to try to read through this massive, massive release of information because it's, you know, it's kind of like, I can tell you from litigating, it used to be, you know, that people would say you, you get a discovery request and you would just snow the other side under with documents. You know, not I would, but people would do this practice. They would say, yeah, you know, there's a document dump. You want documents? You know, here's 7,000 documents, you know, and have to have at it. It was kind of the Pfizer attitude. They just dumped a huge pile of documents and Naomi Wolf has hired this legion of people and she's now got a, an ebook out that I'm going to talk about a little bit later. But back to what this guy at Pfizer was saying, you know, he's basically saying, yeah, we, Pfizer, I mean, the, it seems like what he admitted, um, even though he's uh, not saying it as directly as you might um, want him to be or what you wish he would be. But he's basically saying, you know, yeah, we actually are looking, we, Pfizer, are exploring a way to mutate COVID using directed evolution, which is to preempt, means develop for themselves, the um, future vaccines. So they're going to develop, they're going to mutate the, the virus, COVID, so they can preempt or have first dibs on creating the vaccines to make money. 
That's what he's talking about to make money. And so this was a massive, massive, uh, you know, thing and went wild on the internet. I mean, it went viral and YouTube has taken it down as inconsistent with community standards. In fact, there was a great line. It has been so disappeared, this Pfizer video, that it's hard to find. And Dr. Peter McCullough wrote about it. He had a great line. He said, uh, he, he talked about Pfizer's power, saying they had the power of having this video vaporized from the internet, and they try to take it down. But we have it, and you can get it at Project Veritas, and I'll talk later. But I'm get, I want to just underscore how serious it is what this guy was saying. They're looking about mute to mutate the vaccine, the COVID, the virus, mutate the virus so they can preemptively develop the vaccines to make more money. That's what he's saying. He's also talking about how, yeah, you know, really the FDA doesn't really regulate us too closely because after all, people who work for the FDA like to leave government service and come work for Pfizer. And so they don't want to be, they want Pfizer to like them. And that's what he's essentially saying. It's kind of a revolving door. So, you know, this was a huge admission. Pfizer put out a statement saying, you know, we don't, this is, uh, they, what was a really funny thing, in fact, another great quote from Dr. Robert Malone. So Pfizer put out a statement trying to respond to this and said, you know, it was a gobbledygook language where they said, well, we're not really doing this. We're only doing this. More or less, the statement Pfizer put out sounded to me like they're saying, yeah, it's exactly what we do. We sure wish he hadn't said anything, but they didn't really deny. They didn't deny that he worked there, by the way. That was one of the quick things to be debunked. The guy did work there. He's a very senior guy who's uh, no longer employed and disappeared. But this great line by Dr. Robert Malone of Pfizer, he talked about um, what Pfizer put out in response to this Project Veritas video. Pfizer's statement is a word salad, we want to say, like renaming a child kidnapping and claiming it was an impromptu adoption. Pretty funny line. Anyway, so it's very serious exposure of Pfizer on this um, and, and just kind of no way around it, no matter what they try to do. So here's where we are with Pfizer. That's just the Pfizer we know about um, the COVID vaccine. Then I want to roll to, because um, there are many things to understand about how we ended up where we are. Um, so another thing has been happening related to this situation report, SITREP, on COVID uh, relates to all of the deaths and, and other impacts springing from uh, this vaccine, because this is unprecedented. We are in unprecedented territory. We've never had a vaccine so forcefully mandated on America and the world and having so many bad side effects. And all that happens is the CDC and the FDA keep on saying, yeah, yeah, go more vaccines is, is breathtaking. So among the things I want to quickly report on today, uh, there is a doctor, a woman doctor named, uh, she's actually in the military, Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long. Uh, and she's the one who was beginning to uh, say pilots she, her, her um, uh, expertise and her niche in the military is to determine whether pilots are able to fly. Are they, is, are they okay to fly um, health-wise? Because you don't want a heart attack to happen to a pilot in the mid-flight, of course. And so she has some data out. And I think I sent this to you, Mr. Emilio, this is Lieutenant uh, Teresa M. Long. Okay. Uh, for those of you are listening, do not worry if you're listening on radio. I'm going to tell you what this says. But this is a tweet put out by Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long. She's been speaking up since early on saying these, these vaccines are making things dangerous. She's talking about how dangerous the vaccines are for pilots. So she, she just compiles some data. These are just Department of Defense pilots. And I want you to listen to the number changes. So she's talking about this is the number of reportable events 
reportable events for all pilots in the Department of Defense. And reportable events, uh, reportable events include death, permanent harm, or severe temporary harm. So this isn't a, a pilot who stubbed his toe. These are people seriously after having the COVID vaccine. Let me just listen to tell you the, the numbers and, and um, how they, they just went wild after the COVID vaccine came along. So reportable events for all pilots in the DOD, reportable event, including death, permanent harm, or severe temporary harm. In, 200, in, in the year 2016, 265 pilots had one of those reportable events. So... 2016, 265, 2017, 252, 2018, 164, 219, 223. Literally 10 times the number of incidents in 2020, 2,194. In 2021, 2,861. And in 2022, a whopping 4,059. She's saying this is proof that the COVID vaccines have hurt the health of America's Department of Defense pilots. She's been screaming from the rooftop. She's trying to get the attention. And you think, you know, she's not like, you know, a, a private whose job it is to, I don't know, you know, mow the lawn or something at, at one of the military facilities. This is a lieutenant colonel and a medical doctor. And she's been trying to get the attention of America's military. Why are you pushing these vaccines? They are hurting our pilots. Similar report. And by the way, everyone listening, you can go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, and I link to all these stories. You should know these stories. Be ready to tell your friends when they say, oh my gosh, you're one of those conspiracy theorists about the vaccines. Similar thing. There is a, a great substack by a guy named Steve Kirsch, K-I-R-S-C-H, great substack. And he pointed out, laid out the data to show on his substack. He has an article, again, linked at our website, americachemitalk.org, but he has an article called the FAA, which the FAA, yeah, Federal Aeronautical Administration, the one who oversees the health of civilian pilots. So we were talking about, you know, military pilots a second ago, civilian pilots. The FAA has very quietly, tacitly admitted that the EKGs, which is the heart testing of pilots are no longer normal. We should be concerned, very concerned. After the vaccine rolled out, the FAA secretly widened the EKG parameter range for pilots, made, made poorer heart performance okay in pilots so they wouldn't be grounded. And his conclusion, it looks like the vaccine gave at least 50 million Americans heart damage. So we have vaccine now. We have, you know, Pfizer admitting what it's doing. We have this military lady, uh, this doctor, Teresa Long, uh, in the military for years, pointing out that the you have a massive jumping up of uh, serious health incidents, reportable events uh, among pilots. And then you have this in the FAA. And then we have a story out of Southwest Airlines, um, just in Southwest Airlines, which is based right here in the great state of Texas. Pilots at Southwest Pilots at Southwest Airlines are dying at over six times the normal rate after the COVID vaccines rolled out. 
six times the normal rate of pilot deaths at, at Southwest Airlines since COVID vaccines rolled out. To other little things, uh, and sorry for guys, a little tiny bit unpleasant, but uh, there is a chart related to erectile dysfunction also tied to the vaccines. Um, do we have that up? I think I sent that to you. This is Dr. Doug Corrigan. There we go. Dr. Doug Corrigan, uh, a, a positive correlation between the rates of erectile dysfunction and cardiac failure reported in vaccine adverse event databases for all three jabs, all three, whether you're talking, you know, whichever um, you know, Moderna or AstraZeneca or he's got different ones, BioNTech. The point is, and this, you can come back to me. So there's that. There's birth rates down around the world. Staggering drop in birth rates around the world. Staggering. I mean, and, and you know, it's, it's like the birth, it, it, we're, we're not, we already were having a slowed birth rate problem, but we have a massive number of stillbirths, uh, of miscarriages, and just people not able to get women, not be able to get pregnant. And so we have, I mean, the, the vaccines are doing enormous damage to America. I mean, we've talked about in the show before the vast increase in the number of heart attacks, everyone paying attention, everyone sentient in this country is aware of the massive increase of died suddenly stories, perfectly healthy young people dying suddenly for no apparent reason. I mean, there are enough of them, it's just a statistical anomaly to say the very least. And no explanations, insurance companies are reporting a massive uptick in the number of life insurance policies, meaning someone died, life insurance policies paid out for young people between whatever it is, 20 and 45 years old. I mean, not due to COVID. These are not people who died of COVID. These are people who died, I don't know, you know, suddenly, unexpectedly. So I'm getting at the point, the evidence is piling up and piling up and piling up. And what is it exactly that our government is doing? What's our government doing about this? I'm gonna to get to uh, tell you a little bit about what they're doing. Um, I do want to um, mention that I'm going to get at the end of this because I don't know how much time I'll have, uh, but I want to encourage you to get, to purchase from Dr. Naomi Wolf her ebook. She had a book out in I think November called Lives of Others, which I also have. But and I don't know Naomi Wolf. She's not paying me to plug this, but the reason I urge you to do this, I want to tell you again what her ebook is. So when Pfizer was finally coerced, forced by the federal courts to release the data that relates to their testing of their of the COVID vaccines and, and the astonishing conclusion they made that these look safe and they just are, they're, they're scary beyond any description, forced to release it. And Naomi Wolf hires 3000 people, knowledgeable people who can read and understand these kinds of, of reports that uh, Pfizer was forced to release. And she puts them together in an ebook, and I'm gonna tell you more about that later. But before I do, because in case we uh, um, lose time, I, I, mean, I said CDC and Congress, and I'll just tell you very quickly. You'd think with all this data, which you know, if you, I understand. I should say something really important. I should have said at the start of the show or of this discussion. I have many friends who've taken the COVID vaccines. I have family members who've who've gotten the vaccines. I do not, I, this is nothing that I'm saying is intended to condemn uh, people who did that. I think some people did it because they were going to lose their job. Uh, friends of ours did it because they were told they could never see their grandchildren unless they got the vaccines. And some just decided to take Dr. Fauci at face value. He said vaccines are great, vaccines are safe. So they did it because, you know, Dr. Fauci said so. And so we have, you know, we, we have a lot of people who've taken the vaccines. 
And I will say, I personally believe deeply in the power of prayer. I think God and prayer is more powerful than even the worst vaccine injury imaginable. So I don't want to be talking to you as though I am saying, I want you to think that I think there's just no hope. If you've had the vaccine, you might as well just, you know, check it in, you know, check it in and give up. In fact, many people have had the vaccine and have not had these horrible reactions that we're talking about today, but far too many have far beyond anything we used to statistically accept when, when it came to vaccines. We have a small number of people become ill after vaccines in the past, uh, and, we, and we pull the vaccine immediately. And this is being pushed as, as though, you know, they just can't think of anything better to do than just push the vaccine day and night. So I'm getting around to say, I, I, I do think that information is out there now, even if you've had a vaccine, I hope you reconsider, you take a look at the question, and whether you want to have uh, boosters and more vaccines, because believe me, the government's pushing it. The government's pushing more and more and more and more and more. And you have to ask yourself more and more, why? With all of this, with the discovery that COVID is survivable, basically for well over 99% of the population of the world, that, that number hasn't changed. COVID is survivable. I mean, just, you know, it's a bad flu. You feel bad for a while, but there's you know, even any vaccines dubious. And then we look at the impact of these vaccines, especially mRNA and all the information being put out. And, oh, oh, wait, that, that reminds you, I must tell you and talk about data piling up. This is a, was a, uh, just a breathtaking, um, uh, thing that occurred. So there was a uh, a uh, video. This is an MIT professor who, um, you know, MIT is one of those really, really premier institutions that, you know, um, just like the smartest people ever go to. Uh, and in this um, this uh, video, this uh, MIT professor, I'll let him tell you his story. He has to say, but he's what he's saying with mRNA vaccines. We can quick play that, please, Mr. Emilio. And since 2006, I'm a faculty member at MIT in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I have more than 30 years of experience as a practitioner and an academic in using data and analytics to assess and manage risk, particularly in the context of health systems, health policies, as well as the management of safety and quality of manufacturing of biologic drugs. I'm filming this video to share my strong conviction that at this point in time, all COVID mRNA vaccination program should stop immediately. They should stop because they completely failed to fulfill any of their advertised promise regarding efficacy. And more importantly, they should stop because of the mounting and indisputable evidence that they cause unprecedented level of harm, including the death of young people and children. I personally became concerned with the vaccine safety around middle of 2021, when it became known that the mRNA vaccines cause myocarditis and inflammation of the heart. Since myocarditis is known to be hard to diagnose because it often has vague symptoms or can even be subclinical with no symptoms, it's also known to be a frequent cause of out-of-the-hospital sudden cardiac arrest, especially among young people, I was very concerned that it will not be detected by the existing vaccine safety surveillance systems. 
Motivated by that, we decided to analyze the Israel national EMS data to see if there are any signals of increased out-of-the-hospital adverse events. The analysis of the EMS calls and diagnosis data from 2019 throughout the first half of 2021 revealed some very concerning signals. We detected an increase of 25% in the calls with cardiac arrest diagnosis among ages 16 to 39 in the first half of 2021, exactly when the vaccination campaign in Israel was launched. Okay. That guy, I, I mean, enough to make you uh, stay awake at night. So he's an MIT, you know, which is a top, top institution, MIT professor who's trying to say to the world, because the people involved in medicine, medical research, you know, everyone got the, got the memo early on, you know, we're doing vaccines and nobody questions them and nobody challenges them. And we try to pull the license of anyone who dares to question them. This guy is brave. I think he's an Israeli and he's brave and he's just saying, how can you have this data and still push the vaccines? So on this, uh, I call this uh, one about the CDC and Congress. I call this segment. I just want to make the point. So all this data is going on and this MIT guy is coming out and data out there, just everywhere you look, if you try, if you look at the Substack uh, also uh, by Dr. Peter McCullough, mountains of data. And yet the CDC marches on. In fact, I went to their website today. Here's what their, their website says at the very top. Stay up to date with COVID-19 vaccines, including boosters. This is updated January 25th, so just not even a week ago. What you need to know, uh, a list of boosters and when you can get them and, and how you should get them when you're really, really little. I mean, for ages six months to four years, this, I mean, every doctor in the country has been saying they don't, they're not even in danger at that age if they, if they came across COVID. But yet the CDC blindly marching on, urging that. And I, I just, you know, I could tell you, I'll play a little video in a second to show you what's happening in other countries. But you know what I was saying earlier, how when you want to protest the, um, you want to protest the, the uh, horrific incident in Memphis, you know, you know where to go. You go to the police department, you, uh, or you protest at city hall or the state government. Where do you go to protest what the entire medical uh, bureaucracy of America is trying to inflict on Americans. Where do you go? Who can change it? Who can fix it? So I'll tell you, what, one good thing that's happening is our new slim majority of Republicans in the United States Congress has a select committee on, COVID, on the COVID-19 pandemic. They've at least put together that. Uh, I am going to uh, locate before, um, sometime soon, who's on the committee, urge you to contact them because they've been given one little list and other people give them lists. Look into this, look into this. How did COVID get started? Where did it come from? You know, um, why do we, and they even have questions in there uh, recommended by Heritage about, I think it was Heritage or somebody. Uh, no, yeah, Heritage. Just saying, you know, why'd you, why'd you push masks when everyone knows masks don't stop the spread? Why, why'd you do that? They have good questions to ask. I want to know, how are we going to end this regulatory capture so that you uh, the agencies who are supposed to look out for the health of the American people are not instead looking out for the health and financial well-being of the biopharmaceuticals. How do we break that? Because that's one place people could put pressure. Uh, the other, and, and so I'm going to report more on that, but I love the idea that, that this new Congress is looking at that. Um, and 
I also want to say, I did this in my weekly newsletter. And by the way, if you're listening to this show and you're on radio, uh, you can go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. americacanwetalk.org. My name is Debbie Georgiatis. So it shows America Can We Talk. Everything I do is up there. Would love, love to have you come to our website. Uh, sign up for our weekly newsletter. Just went out last night. Usually goes out on Friday, but it went out last night. Weekly newsletter. It's free. It's fact-filled. Love to have you sign up for that. Um, also become a member from your $50 a year. Uh, this show, uh, as you can see, uh, this show is just, um, you know, it, well, it needs support. It is listener supported. I love your support. Um, I'd love to have you visiting the website regularly and listening to all of our great interviews. Um, so in any case, uh, I want to, um, I'm going to do in this last segment, a little, uh, explanation of what, um, Dr. Uh, Naomi Wolf came up with. And this is just a, a briefest of summaries of what Naomi Wolf came up with, but what her team of 3,000 experts came up with. It is, it is staggering. But before I say that, you know, there's got to be some way that the American people can push back against this just onslaught, this like steamroller or, you know, tank of pressure on the American people to just submit to vaccines and submit to the next thing the government says and ignore all that data that all these sudden deaths and unexpected deaths and, and these young people dropping dead. Ignore all that. Keep doing what we're saying. The American people need a way to express their uh, outrage. Uh, so several things you can do. Uh, one is I really urge you to share that Pfizer video is linked on our website or go to Project Veritas, I think it's .com, wherever Project Veritas is, .com or .org. It's right on the homepage. Grab that link, send it around because right now YouTube has shut that down and every other left-wing outlet tries to shut it down. You spread it around so people understand the nefarious thinking going on in the mind of a very high level official within Pfizer. Similarly, you can buy the book that the ebook that Naomi Wolf has created. I bought it on our website, americacanwetalk.org. You can go to shows, drop down list of links. I put a link where to go buy it. I've noticed how they're making it kind of hard on the internet. You Google Naomi Wolf ebook and they, and they come up with like 17 different stupid, irrelevant responses. So I gave you the actual link. You go to our website and get that link get that, you, you can download it. I did not download the whole thing because it's really long, but I donated, I downloaded the table of contents and the summary. So those are two things you can do, um, which is, and then you can also urge every member of that special house committee, a uh, select committee on the uh, COVID pandemic and our reaction, urge them to really crack down, understand what happened and, and try to make laws that can't happen again. The last thing was very quickly, I'll show you, I have a doctor friend uh, who's uh, very activist and he sends me things all the time. He sent me a link this morning. I'm gonna quick show you. There's a protest in the, U in the UK because the UK, if you can imagine, they've been worse than in America in terms of just strident demand that you get this vaccine regardless of all the evidence also occurring in their country. So if we can quick do that video, Emilio. And just look at some of these signs. These are people, I think they're in London, but they're in the UK. And they have a speaker, which is too muffled to hear what she's saying. But these signs, are big, some of, something about big pharma, I can't read them from where I am. Um, but they're, they're putting up pictures of people, their faces, people who died from the vaccines. I mean, the people are starting to say, this is a protestable uh, thing here. We have to just, um, you know, we have we can't just continue letting the government, um, there in that case, UK and the and the pharmaceuticals band together and force vaccine on us. 
vaccines and also everyone can see they're very dangerous. Oh, so uh, in the last um, segment, um, uh, very only have a few minutes for it uh, before uh, we have to go off to uh, wrapping up our show. In the last segment, um, I wanted to um, just share with you uh, just a hint of what um, we are, um, what was uncovered by Naomi Wolf. And I'm probably going to do this many times because this was a massive project. And, and remind yourself, if you don't know, Naomi Wolf uh, was and maybe still is a Democrat. I mean, this is not some, you know, some big uh, conservative uh, crazy person. Not at all. Um, this is a, you know, this is a, a a Democrat, but she has become irate and outraged over what it is that is driving the, um, just the the hysterical uh, determination for to people to get COVID. And she wanted to see the Pfizer data. And once she saw it, once she saw that data, she just said, um, we're, I'm, we're not doing this. I, we're, you know, we, we have to have people understand. So she um, she got the Pfizer data. I'm quickly tell you some of the summary points her experts came up with. Um, so this report draws from the original analysis of this daily clout team. Over 3,000 expert volunteers analyzed the documents released to date. Efficacy, point number one, efficacy. Pfizer's claim of 95% efficacy. This is what Pfizer said when they released their uh, vaccines was based on only a tiny number of COVID-19 cases in which the clinical trials, 170 cases in over 40,000 trial participants, a measure of vaccine efficacy among such a small sample of COVID-19 cases is too insignificant to generalize to hundreds of millions of people in the population. When comparing the number of participants who showed antibody evidence of having contracted COVID-19 during the trial, only a 54% efficacy in protection is found. So point number one, they grotesquely, or you could just say lied, they grotesquely exaggerated, contorted to make a false report that the vaccine that they were going to be selling, Pfizer was going to sell, had a 95% efficacy. Point two, Pfizer's clinical trial data showed strong safety and efficacy conflict with Pfizer's real-world data submitted to the FDA. So Pfizer had to submit some data to the FDA, but with their clinical trial data was apparently not nearly as good as what they gave the FDA. Like they kind of, you know, cleaned it up before the FDA got it. Of the 32,000 injured vaccine recipients with known outcomes during the first 12 weeks of the vaccine rollout, Pfizer reported approximately 20% of the reports involved COVID-19. COVID-19 was the third most frequently reported adverse event. Over 15% of the COVID-19 cases were graded as severe. Over 200 people in this post-marketing study died from COVID. I, I mean, okay, so they have efficacy, lies, safety, lies. And you know, I'm going to run out of time here. Yeah, I am going to run out of time. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick this up again soon. And the reason I'm going to do this is if you order Naomi Wolf's book, this ebook, you know, what I did, I printed out the, uh, there's a really great eloquent opening uh, by Naomi Wolf. Uh, there's a table of contents and then there's a, just a summary, like I just read to you, point, 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 point. I think it's top 16 points or something like that. But they basically went through thousands and thousands and thousands of pages and tried to distill it down to something the average person could comprehend. And the reason I think this is so uh, commendable is that, most people, myself included, I'm not going to read every document that Pfizer released. And Pfizer probably did the document dump stuff, get rid of everything, 
but I will tell you what Naomi Wolf has been saying, because she's actually looked at this data. She's just been committed uh, from the start. She's actually talking in different interviews about the idea that people who've been pushing these vaccines should be tried for murder, should be actually tried for crimes. It's not just that they should have to admit their vaccines weren't effective or weren't effective enough. They should be tried because they knew they were dangerous and they put them out anyway. And they lied to the American public about what the vaccines were all about. She's talking in very serious terms about the idea that the worldwide network of vaccine lunatics who tried to push the COVID vaccines on the world all are guilty of some sort of, I mean, she's using references to Nuremberg. In the Nuremberg trials after World War II and the world discovered with horror what the Nazis had been doing to the Jews and they, the world came together with a Nuremberg pact. We said, you know, we're going to agree. No one's going to do this anymore. We're not going to have, we're all going to agree this should never happen, what the, the uh, Nazis did to the Jews. She's saying, is this level of wrongdoing? This is what Naomi Wolf is saying. And again, she's a Democrat. I mean, I don't know what she calls herself now, but she's always been a Democrat. She's liberal probably in most issues still today, but she's looked at the facts. She's looked at the truth. And if she can do it and you and I can read enough of what we have available to us on, on their, from what she's written, we can be the ones to try to help to bring uh, a breath of fresh air, a breath of truth, um, and to expose uh, what has happened to this country under the vaccines and to the, to the world under these vaccines. Because believe me, if you read the CDC website and you listen to the Pfizer statements, the, the Pfizer guy was over at uh, World Economic Forum blathering away about the next things they intend. They will never stop this vaccine tyranny unless they are forced to stop unless the law and the systems and the government in this country stand up and say no. And it has to happen very, very soon because they're way down the path of, as you heard, this Pfizer guy cultivating the next virus and planning the next vaccine. And you and I have to agree, we are not going to be the guinea pigs for their, uh, which what can only be uh, Nuremberg style, audacious, uh, injection and infliction on people of vaccines when we don't know what they are and we and we have no reason to believe that they are effective. In fact, we have every reason to believe they're dangerous. It's going to take the people standing up to stop this. At the close of every show, I tell you what, um, talking about, thank you. Uh, Memphis, brutality, yes, racist, no. Killing of Tyra Nichols, as brutal and indefensible as it gets. Nichols' mother, extraordinarily gracious in pointed criticism and pointed call for peace, clearly an indictment of poor hiring and poor training by Memphis Police Department, have the defund the police and other anti-police movements led to the attrition of good law enforcement officers? And the answer is yes. There's plenty of data to show that People are concerned about uh, you know, applying for those kind of jobs. Van Jones and others' insistence on finding racism, though all five officers were black, why are such theories peddled? Remember, BLM, CCP, and CPA are linked. CPA, Communist Party of America. They seek the disintegration of civil society in America, lawlessness and racialism, all things, is to increase division, not help with race relations. Americans must not allow themselves to be manipulated by inorganic protests. No one supports what these officers did. And a Pfizer unmasked pilots and an MIT professor? Project Veritas video continues to spread despite the YouTube ban. The Pfizer rep was clear. 
Pfizer's mutating COVID to create demand for more vaccines, which I have to add, and they will then make more money. Mortality and adverse events with pilots is proliferating. Southwest airline pilots dying at six times the normal rate. Department of Defense data shows extraordinary rise of pilot adverse events after vaccines. I mean, from 200 something to 4,000 something in the space of, what is that, six years? In the space of six years, it's staggering. Um, FAA relaxing EKG requirements for pilots. MIT professor openly calling for stop to the vaccines. Global data demands it. Brits in mass protests against COVID vaccines and BBC coverage and censorship. What explains America mainstream media silence on this subject? The American people must rise up and demand Congress act to stop these vaccine mandates. And CDC and these vaccines entirely. CDC and Congress. Congress seems ready to get in gear and take real oversight action with the CDC. But why is the CDC still pushing vaccines and boosters? By the way, the pandemic has, is over. There's no reason to be doing this. Why the mixed messaging on masks? Why so far behind in data collection and dissemination? Most important, what can be done to fix regulatory capture? Remember, Pfizer sought to hide vaccine trial data for 75 years. They actually asked that openly in court pleadings. And the FDA agreed with Pfizer, meaning they're looking out for Pfizer, not the American people. Only through a courageous judge was Pfizer forced to disclose trial results. FDA's decision to allow Pfizer to hide horrific trial data for 75 years was as egregious an example of regulatory capture as is possible. Which agency is protecting the American people? And on Dr. Naomi Wolf's ebook, Dr. Naomi Wolf and 3,500 researchers have done a deep dive on Pfizer vaccine trial results. Findings now in an ebook, Pfizer Documents Analysis Volunteers Report. And again, go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, and on our homepage under shows, drop down a list of links. I gave you a link to find this. I tell you, they make it hard to find the link. Download Wolf's ebook, share with others, encourage purchase and downloading, write Congress about Dr. Wolf's book. Mainstream media in silence on vaccine damage, disability, and death is unfathomable, indefensible. American people must be better than their institutions. There is no medical justification for pushing the COVID vaccines at this time. Paralysis, refusal to act by Congress is inexcusable. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America? Can you hear us now?